Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Gotta take your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight. Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, April 23rd. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and I thought I heard my dog, Will, try to to weigh in with her, but thanks for the intro. Great job. Thanks for joining us tonight. Wednesday is one of our, my most favorite shows. I, I look forward to this. It, it's a, it signifies the week's almost over, the work week, and the weekend's almost here. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to probably go about an hour. We're going to cram it all in and talk a lot of stuff. The NFL schedule's released. A lot of exciting games out. We're going to discuss a little bit of it. I know Trey and myself, since it just come out, we haven't had a chance to really review it, but we'll we'll talk a couple of games out there. Uh, baseball talk. We have the NBA playoffs, college football, Trey. Hope you're having a great week, man. It's good to have you back on. I know you missed Sunday night, so welcome back. Uh, thanks, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. How uh, How's everything going on your end? Man, it is going. His work is busy. I just, my company, we just acquired another one and a merger and a kind of a spinoff role, what I'm in now. So there's a lot going on in my personal life and work and everything. So it's very busy. So I'm just looking forward to the show tonight. What about you? Yeah, man, let's, 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 let's get to it. I mean, I'll tell you right off the bat, I know that it's not on our list of agenda to talk about, but Tarvin. I don't know if you just saw Michael Pinata, Pineda get ejected from the Yankees game for having pine tar on his neck. <laughs> Had pine, hold on, his neck. I mean, it, I thought it was the bats you couldn't have pine tar on. <laughs> yeah, well, I know the bat has specific rules about where your pine tar can be, sorry, but I'm pretty sure that on a pitcher in the American League's net who does not even hold a bat, uh, is probably a little suspect to have pine tar <laughs> at all. So <laughs> craziness going on in the Bronx with the, uh, you know, the Red Sox Yankees <laughs> series. I mean, I mean, how crazy is that? Um, you know, Pineda, Pineda, sorry, uh, had, people thought he had a foreign substance on his hand last time he pitched, uh, and then this time they find the pine tar on his neck, and the Red Sox bust him for it. So uh, craziness going on in the, in, uh, in baseball right now. Well, if you're the Yankees, I mean, tell me right now, Trey, if, you know, if April, what is it, 23rd right now, if, if I'd have told you the Yankees would be in first place and the Boston Red Sox would be in last, what would you tell me? Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised with the Red Sox. I mean, we talked about how I thought the Red Sox were going to win this division, but I thought the Yankees were going to be in the postseason as well. Um, you know, I was one of the people who did not doubt that. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me. The Yankees, um, with, with Tanaka, has, who has been lights out, um, doesn't surprise me a whole lot with him. Uh, the, the Red Sox are a little bit surprising right now for me. Yeah, but it seems like lately the rest, I mean, they start off slow. 
and then all of a sudden, once once the summer months hit, these guys are scoring 20 runs per game. So they're only three and a half games out of first in this division, so it's still wide open. Everybody's in it. The Boston's in last, and they're three and a half. This looks like a very competitive division. Baltimore looks improved. Tampa Bay, I don't know much yet. Toronto's Toronto, but the Yankees, how long can they they keep this up? I know you picked them in the playoffs, but I'm just not still feeling them. I, I don't think they can do it over an entire season, train. Well, I mean, you know, you bring up some interesting points about the Yankees. I mean, a lot of people think the veterans aren't going to pay off. I, I, I just think they will, and it's not necessarily the veterans carving, because I think that um, they're going to miss some time with injuries, especially when we start getting the summer months. But I really do think that pitching is a lot improved. And I know Yvonne Nova just went down with, you know, what I think it's like about the 17th, uh, you know, elbow injury with you know, complete Tommy John surgery we've had this year. Uh, and that hurts them quite a bit in the rotation. But I just think Tanaka is going to be absolutely lights out. In fact, today, Tarvin, I know we're going to talk about some Charlie Strong comments. So I want to start with this comment. Uh, Tanaka, the pitcher for the Japanese pitcher, if you don't know baseball, uh, is currently 3-0. Uh, and has been very, very good. Uh, he said that he doesn't he doesn't have any doubt in his mind that he may not be able to go 24-0, Tarvin. What do you think about that comment? I like that confidence. Even though, you know, it's not going to happen, at least, you know, his head is in the right place. And, and he's there to earn a paycheck. He's there to get the fans back into it, which that he doesn't have much of a problem, but he's there to inspire this team. How many times have the Yankees been predicted not to make the playoffs? And you're the only one I know that predicted it, so maybe he's just trying to light a fire up under him. I like that, trick. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. He said, hey, I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible that I can go 24-0. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's pretty brave considering he's a rookie in baseball. <laughs> uh, I don't know how the rookies he's had that kind of confidence, but – I mean, he was playing big league ball in Japan, so we'll have to see. How old is he, How, how old is he, Trey? How old is uh, he? 27, I think. Rookie at 27. I mean, these Japanese and players, man, they're they're usually about 40 when they come into the league, so he's young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously he's currently in his prime. There's no, no doubt about that. <laughs> Well, I mean, the baseball world right now, a lot, lot's going on. I don't know if you saw the fight with Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous the way the fight happened. I mean, you know, Gomes, Johnny Gomes, what's his name, the uh, the outfielder for Milwaukee? Carlos, Carlos Gomez? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's his name. He, You know, he, he looked at one. He, he thought he hit a fly ball that was going to be caught. He was looking at it. He goes in the third, and the pitcher's trash-talking him, Trey. What, what, what gives the pitcher the right to, to tell him what to do? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously he felt he, he showed him up, but, I mean, that seems to me to be quite a little bit of a stretch. I mean, I don't know a lot of guys who get sort of, you know, that upset about a triple. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't think the pitcher should have been drawn as much as he was. I, I didn't really think that it was that big of a showmanship uh, on Gomez's part. Well, we look at the National League East trade. The Braves are three games up on the Nationals, three and a half up on the Mets and the Phillies, and four and a half up on Miami. And are you surprised the Braves right now with their record? I mean, eight and four on the road, very impressive. Six and three at home, and they've won seven out of their last ten. Can this Braves team stay consistent enough with their pitching and with their hitting 
to be a playoff team. Yeah, and I, I think eventually they're going to falter. I mean, Gaddis has been really good for them earlier in the year. I think he's going to have a huge slump at some point. Justin, the options are still basically not where you'd want them to be. I think Justin Upson struck out, what, nine of his last 11 plate attempts. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, you have guys uh, who, who, I mean, are very streaky, but they don't really pay the bills at hitting 230, Harvin. So I, I think that we're going to see a, a swoon for some of these guys. And the pitching – for the Braves, I mean, Alex Wood has been – I thought he was going to have a breakout year. Tehran has been very good. Uh, but I – and, you know, who knew Aaron Harang was going to be so good? But I think he'll hit a steroid. 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 You could be right. Um, but, you know, I, I think eventually that Harang will come back down to earth and the Braves will struggle. And, the, and my comment – had a question mark after it. I'm asking. I'm not telling. I have no idea what Aaron Harang does. So, but it's just, you know, if you want a candidate for performance-enhancing drugs, could Aaron Harang be the guy? I mean, that's yet to be seen. Just want to throw that out there. And, um, Trey, I don't know how much you've watched the NBA playoffs, but, you know, it's like the movie Gladiator. You know, are you entertained? Well, here's the thing. I, I'm actually not. I know. I know that um, there have been some good finishes, but I, the, the playoffs for the NBA are so long, um, and the season is just so long that I, it's just tough for me to get. I mean, I start getting involved right about now in Parvin with the, you know, I mean, I, I watch the NBA um, when it comes to the stats. I'll, I'll look at things, see who's doing well, uh, but I don't watch a lot of full games, and I'll catch pieces of games. I've caught pieces of the playoffs, but I haven't gotten to the point where I'm going to sit down and watch a full playoff game just yet, especially in the East, Tarvin. I mean, to me, the West is where I'm watching the games. I watch some of the Mavs game, and I'll, I'll definitely um, tune in a little bit tonight for the Mavs-Spurs game, uh, which is going on right now. I'll probably catch the second half of that game. But, um, you know, it just takes a little bit more for you to get entertained in the, in the NBA, Tarvin. Well, you're right. I mean, it's so many games. We're talking about three games a night. I mean, how can you sit? I mean, by the time you get home, you turn it on, you're up till one or two in the morning almost watching these games, and it's just a lot. I mean, I'm not surprised too much at what's going on, but I do want to talk about a few series. A couple trade Chicago right now against Washington. They were at home. They dropped their first two, and – and Sunday night was a night where I, I said it, the game was going on. I worried about Chicago's ability. I mean, I, they don't have a score, a go-to guy that can take over a game. Washington has wall. They're playing physical. They're beating Chicago at their own game, Trey. How surprised are you that Washington goes into Chicago with a 2-0 lead now, going back to Washington? Yeah, and I think it really what you're seeing is that um, Washington really wants this game. And I think Chicago came in. Uh, and, you know, I, I've seen uh, parts of these games. Um, they seem like they're flat. Like, they just assumed they were going to win. And, and uh, you know, you just see Washington, they're, they're fired up, man. These guys really want to be in the playoffs. They, that's a good – yeah, they want it. They they haven't been in it in a long time, and here they are. And, and I look at the East, and I still – Miami is the only team right now that I can feel comfortable picking and knowing what I'm going to get each night – when I watch it, I, I look at this Washington team. The more they win, the more confident they're going to get. They can win some. They could possibly win another uh, playoff series after this one. You just never know how the matchups are. But how disappointed are you in Chicago right now? And are they going to be desperate enough 
to go out and get a Carmelo Anthony to try to make a run next year because they're not going to win this series. I don't see them going on the road and winning two and then coming back home. And then, I mean, they have three games left in Washington. I mean, they're not going to win this series. No, I mean, obviously at this point it's a long shot for them to come back and win. I mean, but right now you got to think that you just – the way you're seeing um, – the desire in Washington, the way they seem to really be going after these games, you have to give uh, them a huge uh, advantage going in to the next three games that, you know, they can win one of them. I mean, you know, and really take take this series and, and move on. And, and another series that's kind of interesting, it's not, I mean, there's two teams right now that are terrible, the Hawks and the Pacers, Indiana losing at halftime last night after getting stomped in the first game. They finally respond with a 31-13 rally in the third to kind of pull away from Atlanta. Trey, I'm not sold on the Pacers at all. I mean, going to Atlanta for two games, the way they played the first two, Atlanta could be up 3-1 to one in this series. I have no faith in the big man for Indiana, and I don't know what happened to that locker room. Well, I mean, I've heard it described this way. Um, is, you know, imagine, um, you know, you have Roy Hibbert, who was very good uh, last year in the postseason and played like a beast. Imagine him at the end of that bench, and he's in civilian clothes, and he sits there and he looks at um, Roy Hibbert and says, hey, dog, why aren't you getting the ball more? You know, I mean, you can just imagine those kind of riffs starting in the locker room, and all over personnel. I have no idea why they went out and got Bynum. I, I didn't I didn't understand that move at all. I still don't understand how, what he adds uh, in any manner to the club. Um, and I think, in, if nothing else, Tarvin, you're seeing um, partly well, a lot of things that have to do with him. Why Why is he involved in this team? And you have a can- he's been a cancer everywhere he's went. And I don't know for a fact that he's doing that, Tarvin, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he actually, who did you say, Andrew Bynum? Yeah. Yeah, he, he actually slept with a coach's wife. Uh, I think it was at Philadelphia or somewhere. I mean, that's how bad this guy is. I mean, he's a cancer, you're right. They traded away. They got Evan Turner, I believe, but they gave away one of their best players. But is this a case of it's better, easier to play with no pressure on your trade? Last year they came out of nowhere. They almost beat the Heat. But all year long after that, they heard they're going to be the Eastern Conference champions. They're the best team. They're going to get home court advantage. Well, they killed themselves to get that, Trey, but are you really feeling Indiana beating Miami? Or, hell, even beating Atlanta for that matter. Well, here's, and here's also the thing. Sometimes, and now we both know there's something wrong with Indiana, so we'll put that aside, and we'll imagine that Indiana isn't broken. Well, Tarvin, Indiana, if you look at their performance versus the Hawks this year, the Hawks and Jeff Teague had amazing games when he played against the Pacers. I don't know what it is, but he ripped the Pacers up, and so did the Hawks. So you have not only the fact that the Pacers have some sort of brokenness to them, but you also have the fact that, you know, you have basically um, the – basically you have – you know, the the Hawks who have their number. Yeah, you're you're right, and and I'm not saying I'm not ready to say the Hawks win this series, but I I am. If you're a Pacers fan out there, 
you have to be in complete panic mode right now because if you're struggling with the Hawks in Indiana, you're, you're going to struggle from here on out. If you make it past this series, you're probably, unless something miraculously happens, and Trey, I've heard the coach for Indiana is fighting for his life right now. I mean, this is a good coach, and all of a sudden now with this rift in the locker room and, and not performing well, if they lose to Atlanta, or say even that, just say either Atlanta or the next series, is he back next season? I, I don't. I don't know that he is. I mean, I, I think you know. I've, you've heard a couple of sources say he's playing for his job or coaching for his job, and I think that's entirely accurate. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll keep up with that series, but but a series that man, it's it, they played Sunday night, and then we haven't seen them yet until again tonight. The Portland Trailblazers, the Houston Rockets, and Aldridge with forty six points, eighteen rebounds, two assists, two blocks over Houston, and I just don't know. I mean, they go in game one. I don't know if they can win tonight, but you, you never know what can happen in the playoffs. But, Trey, Houston is a team that, that I think they're dangerous. I think they have the right people in place. But I'm also I'm looking at their, their lineup. I think James Harden can shoot them out of game sometimes. So how are you feeling about Houston uh, overall? But how are you feeling about them tonight in game two? Well, I think Houston gets back on track tonight, but I mean, let's let's put Portland where they need to be. And Portland's a super, super dangerous club. Um, they have pieces that, honestly, and this is again one of those matchup things. You would think that Dwight Howard would be able to take out Lamarcus Aldridge when it comes down to the defensive side of the ball, but he, he really can't. I mean, in Lamarcus Aldridge playing sort of the four spot really gives Houston sort of a nightmare because who do you put on him? Do you really want to get, you know, James Harden, uh, not James Harden, but do you really want to get, you know, uh, Dwight Howard in foul trouble, which is what sort of has, can happen. Uh, and then, you, then who do you put on Aldridge? They tried they tried to guard Aldridge with sort of a litany of other folks. I mean, it was Chandler Parsons. It was, um, heck, even James Harden guarded Lamarcus Aldridge for a couple a couple series, and we saw the disastrous results last time as Lamarcus Aldridge dropped 40. So, you know, Houston's going to have to figure out some stuff defensively, Tarvin. This has been a club who has been very offensive-minded, but they have a lot to figure out defensively. Do you, do you think Portland's the most underrated team in the playoffs right now in the Western Conference? I mean, nobody ever talks about them. Is it because they really don't have any names? I mean, they have Robin Lopez. We remember him and his twin brother. But this is uh, Nicholas Batum, uh, Damian Lillard. He's a phenomenal player that nobody really talks about. Wesley Matthews. I mean, they're they're just a quiet team that comes in. I, I never expected Aldridge to have that many points, Trey. 46 points on the road. But, but I will say this. I think the referees really hosed Houston with that call on Dwight Howard. It should have gone the other way. They should have been shooting two free throws, and and Portland won the basketball game. Are you are you feeling a blowout tonight? I think Houston gets back on track. I think it's going to be close now, but I think they pull away in the second half. I mean, obviously, but here's the thing: I I think Lillard comes out as a star in this postseason. If they get past Houston, I mean, Portland can make a run and really be scary. The problem is, is nobody watches Portland because they're on so late at night all the time, and so Portland's one of those teams, because they're playing the sort of, you know, the sleepy Northwest, and, and nobody stays up to watch it. Yep. Uh, people haven't seen Aldridge and Lillard play, and those two guys are stars, man, I'm telling you. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are maybe a piece away from being a number one seed in the Western Conference, which we know is legit. 
I think they need a center. If they get a center, yeah. some big man down low, I think, God, I mean, how are you going to stop these guys? But that's an interesting series that, that we'll keep up with. Um, the Clippers tied it up, trade 1-1 with Golden State. I mean, they, they flex their muscles. And I want to ask you this. I want to ask you about Blake Griffin. And I've heard people talk about, let's say, Harden and Blake Griffin. Those two players, they say they're top five players in the NBA. Me, personally, I don't think they're there yet. I just want to know what you think about Blake Griffin and Harden. Where do you rank them? I think Harden is closer than Blake Griffin is. I think Blake Griffin is a is a dynamic player. But if, I mean, if you had to build around a power forward, I mean, are you really going to choose – uh, Blake Griffin to build around. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if I would choose a power forward. I mean, you know, in, in this league right now, I mean, could you really make an argument over him over Aldridge, who's really good? I, I don't know. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I think that Griffin is is he's a premier player who you can um, with another player build around. But I mean, he's not a by himself player for sure. I, I totally agree. And and you know, he got in foul trouble game one. And, and the way he did it, and he wasn't around when the, when it really mattered. I think if you're a top five player in the NBA, you don't get in trouble like that. that that's just the way I look at it. I don't think the officials allow you to get in trouble like that. I, I just don't think that you personally get in, get in foul trouble. You have to be smarter. I look at Griffin and, and the Clippers, and I really do believe, Trey, that Golden State has the right formula to beat these guys. It wouldn't surprise me if Golden State takes two at home and puts a lot of pressure on the Clippers. Do you think Chris Paul can do it by himself? Well, I mean, Chris Paul, he's some of my top five players is probably there. I mean, he's that good. But, I mean, whether or not um, he can do it by himself against, you know, a very good Steph Curry. And remember, I mean, the fact is, and what we're still waiting to see for the Clippers is the kind of shooter who can take over a game. Now, Chris Paul has done it before. But, you know, we saw last year what Golden State can do in the playoffs. I mean, Steph Curry hit a new level of insanity um, in the postseason. Uh, we've seen two players recently do that, um, and that's been Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I mean, those guys seem to shoot the ball tremendous when it comes to fourth quarter and, and you know, the pressure. Um, and, you know, if Tom, you know, if Clay Thompson gets hot, too, for Golden State, I mean, they can be really good. Uh, so, I don't know, Tarvin. I think this is one of those series. You're right, man. I, Golden State is scary. Well, I mean, how much the, the the Clippers beating them by 40 in Game Two really weigh in this series? I, I think, to me, and tell me what you think. I think Golden State won the first game, which gave them the home court advantage, and then they relaxed, trying to save it. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Do you think Golden State came in in Game Two happy with what they did in Game One? They were going to give them an honest effort to see what they could do, how hot they were, to see if they could steal two. But I think they were happy with one, and I think they just took a break. Well, I mean, they're also very streaky, Tarvin. So, I mean, um, with with Steph Curry, who can be shut down, I mean, they could they could easily get pounded um, if, if things got a hand for their shooting. And that's kind of what happened. You know, they, The Clippers came in, they took care of the boards, uh, and they really sort of had a good – they really did a lot of second-chance opportunities. Um, and so that's sort of Golden State's weakness. If they're not shooting real hot, um, you know, they can get out of hand because those guys are going to shoot. Uh, and we know the Clippers with Blake Griffin and, you know, DeAndre Jordan can really rebound. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that it's going to be that way every game, though. 
Yeah, that's that's a great point. But I think the the home crowd now, Mark Jackson, I think he's a very underrated coach in the NBA. I think he's going to have his guys ready. I think they're going to feed off the home crowd. This is going to be a great series to watch. I'm, I'm just telling people out there, watch game three and four of this series. It's going to be very entertaining. If you want to, if you have a question, if Blake Griffin is a top five player, then watch these two games and see. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm wrong about a lot of things. I could be wrong. He could end up being that. We're going to find out in game three and four. And another series in the West, it's just the West is so much better trade than the East. It's not even funny. The Grizzlies, the Thunder, they're tied up at one right now. Thunder took game one Saturday night. The Grizzlies came back Monday and and took game two. I mean, what a crucial game for Memphis. They had to have that trade. What do you look at Memphis doing at home for the next two? Well, I mean, I think, honestly, the Grizzlies are a really tough team, but Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook can lift lift this team up, and I think they will. I think if you're the Grizzlies, you just gotta pray uh, that you can take one of these games because I think the Thunder now are gonna come in angry. Um, and Kevin Durant, I mean that four point play, Tarvin. I mean that was one of the more incredible shots that I've seen. Uh, so I, I look the Thunder. Obviously, um, you know if they get into foul trouble, they're big guys, and that's where the Grizzlies and Zach Randolph can really do some damage. So then that's really the key for this game is, is can the Thunder keep their big guys sort of healthy off off the off the foul foul line or excuse me from putting guys on the foul line and if they can then they should win these games. You know when I look at Oklahoma City and Durant's amazing, Trey. I'm not saying he's not. Trust me, Westbrook's amazing, but I think this this team still doesn't know who the leader is. Am I, do you feel that way, or is it, is it just me? I think Durant needs to come out and really let everybody know he's the leader of this team, and I think they'll they'll take a better step in the right direction. Well, I mean, I, you could have a point there. I think Durant, with his play at least, is saying it, whether whether he's vocal enough, I mean, that's a different story. Yeah, I, I just look, when Westbrook's on the court, I mean, they're so much better. I mean, it's the other night, game one when they played Saturday, they were up 22-something. They put Westbrook out for a long time. Um, and then here comes Memphis storming right back. I just look at Westbrook. To me, he's the most valuable player on that team right now. That doesn't mean he's better than Durant. I just think he's more valuable right now than anybody. But I, I think Durant needs to come out and be more vocal. Maybe that's not his personality. You can't just change that, Trey. You can't. Be a vocal person if you're not a vocal person. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking for this this series to be a split. I think it's going to be two two heading back to OKC. OKC will take three, and honestly, I think they'll take game or game six. So I think it's going to be a four two series. Memphis is a good team; they just don't have enough to beat a team with this much talent. But anything in the NBA you want to talk about before we move on, sir? Nope, I'm good. All right, call in number 646-716-5564 if you'd like to join us tonight. I'm not in the chat room, Trey, at all, so if there's any questions anywhere, let me know. But I want to move on to college football real quick, and something that kind of got under my skin a little bit was Charlie Strong's comments, and you and I disagree with this, and that's fine. We can disagree with it. But the comments he made saying that Texas would not be in the championship this year it just rubbed me the wrong way, Trey. A new coach coming in like this with the talent Texas has. I know you think he's he's being real and everything, but 
I thought he crossed the line. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think there have been shades of this comment made by a ton of coaches, um, whether it's NBA coaches, whether it's college football coaches, college basketball coaches, baseball coaches, you know, NFL coaches. I think a lot of coaches who said very, very similar things. And now they haven't outright said, I think, what Charlie Strong said, which is, you know, hey, we're not going to be there. I think, you know, you heard coaches say we have a lot to work on. You know, we're we're under. You heard um, Butch Jones uh, talk about Tennessee being a multi-year project. Um, that's the same thing, saying we're not going to win a championship this year, but he's not outright saying it. Uh, it's all about managing expectations, and I, I think when he, what I think bothers you about Strong is he outright and said it versus coming out and saying, you know, hey, we have a lot to work on at Texas. Of course, our goal was a national championship. Um, maybe that's what he should have said. Well, it, and, and you're right. I think you said it perfect when we were talking earlier about the way he said it. You know, Malzahn last year when he took over Auburn, you know, when they started getting good and people were talking about, do you think this team could win a championship right now? He said, like, I'm just worried. we got so many problems. We, we have to correct this and that. He never would come out and answer it. And I guess you're right. But Charlie Strong to me is a coach that has talent on the team, the, the quarterback, you don't know. I mean, that's the problem. But he acts like the Texans left the cupboard empty, Trey. Well, in some ways, I think in important positions, I think there's an arguable fact that they did. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think there's also something to, um, you know, what your point is, is you want a coach who is motivated and who says, hey, you know, only the best will do. Yeah, and and you know accountability is everything. And when, when you're when you're dealing with kids at this age, I mean, almost young men, they're they're trying to do it. You need them to think, no matter what, that that they can do whatever they put their minds to. For for Charlie Strong coming out and saying they're not going to make a championship, the players right now they can ease off a little bit, not try as much because you know what, my, my coach doesn't even think I can make it. My, my coach doesn't doesn't think we're good enough, so I, I think that's the problem I have. If you're a Texas fan out there and you heard that, I mean, what are you thinking right now? Are you going to go buy tickets to go to the games if if your coach doesn't even think you can win? Why would you even pay all this money to go watch them play? Well, I mean, and that's like again, you know, how you say precisely um, matters. Uh, you obviously, I think if you're Charlie Strong, if I'm Charlie Strong or I'm the coach at Texas and I come in there and I see uh, with my own evaluations problems that I can't address this year. You know, there's, there's just guys I can't recruit. You know, I didn't recruit. I can't recruit in the first year, uh, whether it's depth, whether it's the quarterback. I know I can't, you know, this quarterback, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you want to manage your team's expectations and not necessarily your team but the fans, because, you know, we all know we're in a society where the fans want immediate success. Um, and so part of that is, you know, you may want to help that along. But your point is you got to make sure you don't do it at the expense of the players who are basically trying to walk through walls for you. Yeah, I mean, you want the team, the players to know if, you know, I have a plan in place. Yeah, I don't care what happened last year. I don't care where you were. We're going to come in and we're going to work hard. We're going to try to – we're going to try to, even though we're not as talented or something, we're going to fight harder, and hopefully that will mean wins on the field. Something 
besides the excuses. And my opinion is I think Charlie Strong set this up to where if they lose and they're no good, then he, he can say, hey, I told you this. I told you before the season. But if they win, he's going to try to make it look like he was some great coach and try to get some big extension and raise. I don't like it. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. I mean, or right or wrong. It means personally I think he was a coward for doing that. And I know that could be harsh, Trey, like you said, the word coward. But I, I just think he needs to be a grown man and be a leader. He's He's not vocal enough for me. Uh, to be a head coach in college football. Yeah, I mean, I take an opposing view of that. I don't, I don't think it was anything over a possibly a strong, a stronger statement than we've heard before. Would I have been, um, you know, a proponent of that, Tarvin? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think that he's realistic in the fact that we. I think, you know, none of us are going to put Texas in the top, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty. Uh, teams with the likelihood of even going to the you know Final Four, if you will, um, especially in the Big 12, which has some teams who legitimately we all think are going to be pretty good. I mean, you know, Baylor uh, have a lot of guys coming back. I mean, Oklahoma State, depending on how they do against Florida State in Game One. Uh, I mean, so there's some teams out there that have a much better shot uh, than Texas. And I think your point is, is you just don't want your coach to actually say that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a time to say what you want. It's like, you know, when I took a job managing a department that was terrible, when I took over, you know, I didn't come to the the new boss and ask me my plan. Well, it's going to take me two years to do anything. Or, you know, we we suck right now. I mean, you come in and, and give your vision. This is my vision, what to do. I wonder why he said in the interview, if you go back to his interview, Trey, with Texas, I wonder if he told them, we're not going to win a championship year one looking at it, because you know he analyzed everything while he interviewed before and after and all the discussions. I'm, I'm sure he didn't say this to get hired. No, no, I'm, I'm sure he didn't either. Uh, but I think he probably said something to the extent of, I have evaluated the talent, and I don't believe that we have the talent to win at this point. I mean, I, I think that's an honest assessment. I mean, you have to, you have to tell, if I'm an AD, I mean, you don't think I already know that? Uh, and if a coach comes in and was interviewing with me and said, oh, I'm going to turn this thing around in year one, I'd be like, really? <laughs> you you and what army of new recruits? Well, you know, you know, last year when Malzahn took over Auburn, they were 3-9 and nine the year before. I didn't think that Auburn was going to make the national championship game. I didn't picture that, but I pictured us getting better. But if Gus would have taken that job and said, guys, we're a long way away from playing for championship ball this year, we're going to suck. Let me go ahead and tell you, we're going to suck. That's terrible. I mean, I would have been upset as an Auburn fan. When Saban took over a Bama team that was the cupboard was empty and bare, and he took over, he didn't say anything about uh, we're not going to win. I mean, that's what I have a problem with. And, and you're right. The oh. way you say it, that's yeah. the way you I'm say it. It's everything. Saban has called his guys pretty sucky several times. But he never said they're going to lose, though. I mean, No, no. He just says they suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot different right there. Yeah, yeah. Number, number 46 has got a lot of work to make. I mean, like his comments about his, you know, freshman left tackle who's phenomenal, like Cam, that Cam guy, uh, Cam Robinson or whatever his name is, uh, if you heard his comments, you would think that this guy wasn't probably going to be the starter at left tackle for as a freshman, which is pretty incredible at Alabama. 
the way he described him uh, was like, you know, like this guy's like the worst guy ever. We should be, we shouldn't even recruit him. And uh, you know, this guy's going to be a starter at left tackle probably for Alabama and, you know, as a true freshman, which is pretty darn good. <laughs> Trey, let's talk about Bama while we're on them. I mean, this past weekend has been very hard for the Bama Nation. And the last two weeks of the season, or the last two games they played of the season. But how much emphasis are, are people putting on spring games right now? Because if I'm a Bama fan, I'm not in panic mode right now, honestly, because I look at the recruiting for the last five or six years, and I really don't panic if I'm an Alabama fan. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If you look at the talent they had uh, on the field, and if you talk about their performances in, in the spring game, and you're right, what do you really put in the spring game? I mean, in some spring games, the offense plays against the, the second string, the first string offense against the second string defense, which does not help you at all evaluate your offense. So they certainly aren't going to be facing against a lot of people's second stringers. Um, but the one thing that I look at Alabama, and I think, why are they all panicking? You know, because their quarterback play was so bad in the spring game. Um, that people were like, oh, crap, you know, uh, we, we have quarterback problems. Well, Tarvin, we knew that going in, didn't we? we <laughs> I mean, why do you think they went out and got Jameis Winston's backup, uh, Jacob Coker? Now, people differ on what they think Coker is going to be, uh, and maybe that's the fear of the people who don't think Coker is going to be well, but I think Coker is going to be phenomenal. And all that yeah. did, Tarvin, was solidify the fact that Jacob Coker is your starting quarterback. Well, I look at Coker, and I see how big he is. I mean, he's, what, 6'4", Trey? He's a big guy, yeah. He has an arm. Now, listen, the strength of his arm, they compare it to only one person, and that's Jamarcus Russell. Even though Jamarcus Russell sucked in the NFL, he could throw a ball 100 yards almost. That's how strong he was. So if he comes into this offense and just gives an average performance, Alabama has a team in place to win every game they have. I mean – He's going to be the starting quarterback, and I, I think he's going to do a good job too, Trey. And that's why I want to tell Bama fans out there, you know, don't panic right now. I mean, who cares if people are putting Auburn ahead of you in the preseason or talking about it? That just gives you more fuel um, to work on. Alabama is not worried right now. Saban's not worried. But I do look at their offensive line, Trey, and I do worry about that a little bit. They lost some on the line. But it's April. They have a long time to get this corrected to get it in place. I mean, you have talent like they have every year. You're going to be good. So yeah. I think they need to chill out a little bit. Oh, yeah, I completely concur. I mean, one, you have a you know a guy who's a phenomenal talent at a freshman who's going to be have growing pains. I mean, but is are they going to have enough growing pains to lose to like West Virginia off the beginning of the year? No. I mean, so they're going to have time to figure it out I mean, at the start of the season. And not to mention, Tarvin, I mean, you have all of fall practice for some of these guys. I mean, some of the people who are going to be impact players for them um, are, are freshmen still. So, yeah, I'm not so worried. They're, they're going to be really good at running back, really good at receiver. Their defense is going to be stout. I mean, Alabama yep. is just a quarterback and a left tackle away, uh, and maybe a center. I mean, that's it. I mean, they're they're loaded, and that's – and, and Roll Tide in the chat room said Bama will be fine. Low expectations is good for them. That's, I mean, when's the last time people were worried about Alabama? I mean, how long has it been, Trey? I mean, it, it's been since, what, 2009 probably. I mean, that's how long it's been since anybody's even worried about this. 
and and looking at their schedule, looking at everything, it's favorable. They play Auburn in Alabama this year. It's just, I don't know. I just think Alabama's primed for a good season. If you're 11 and two and you're ready to commit suicide, how many how many teams would kill to have an 11 and two record? Right. I mean, and again, you know, the struggles at quarterback were legitimate in the spring for Alabama. But I'm telling you, and, and maybe I'm the only person, and I know a lot of people are against me, I think Jacob Coker is going to be really good for Alabama because he's going to be upright a lot, and he's going to have two really good backs to hand off to, and then the guy's got a cannon and a, for an arm. And, and believe me, Omari Cooper can't run fast enough to catch his ball. And, and I want to ask you this. You're a Florida State fan. How – how close was that quarterback race, honestly? Do you think it was as close as Jimbo let on, or do, or do you think uh, he at Winston had it won easy? I mean, that's what worries me. You don't know. You're just listening to what yeah. coaches say. Um, but Coker's never had to to be the man yet. How do you think he's going to do now that the fans are like, Coker, you're the savior of Alabama football now. Come here. I mean, how's he going to do with his pressure? Well, I mean, the pressure is one thing for sure, and I think uh... – um, but, you know, here's the thing about that. I mean, we don't know how it's going to the pressure, but you asked me how close the battle was. I watched it pretty closely, and I'll tell you that Jameis Winston was a terrible, was in the time was terribly, was terribly bad in practice. Uh, and so it took a lot for him to actually overcome Coker, who had a great, great spring game, a great, you know, he was really, really good. Um, and so... I would say that um, he was legitimately in the contention. Now, whether the coach thought that Winston was going to win it the whole time, I don't know. But I'll tell you that Jacob Coker was awfully impressive uh, for everybody who was watching it. Well, it's like Nick Marshall, Trey, coming in from JUCO last year for Auburn. A lot of people didn't know him, so they they said Auburn wouldn't be good. But you heard me say I, I watched the kid. I thought he could do well. If he did good, then Auburn could have a great season. And that's, I think that's the same way. You see Coker, you watched him, you know him. You're telling the Alabama nation that he's going to do very well. So I think they need to listen to you, Trey. That's what I'm trying to to get people to understand. You know this kid, and a lot of people don't. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. West Virginia, the first game, it's going to be interesting. And let's let's flip over to Auburn real quick, their spring game. And you talked about the ones going versus the twos, Trey. Um, Auburn's yeah. first team offense went against the second team defense, the second team, uh, the vice versa. And I, I like that. And I, I know you don't. Tell me why you don't like it. Well, because, I mean, here's the thing. The spring game is very little in the way of coaching anyway. You get very little out of it. The only way you get anything out of it is if you go first team on first team. I mean, Florida State does that, first team on first team, first team offense on first team defense. And that's the way you – you test out some of the real positions. Now, you don't test out some of your, you know, like, say, quarterback guy who, you know, I watched, um, the, you know, the spring games, and you watch uh, them get the ball out when clearly they would have been hit in a real game. And so sometimes that doesn't help you. But what it does help you is it helps, helps you at the point of attack. It helps you see, um, you know, some of the blocking schemes. It helps you see some of the tackles and some of the defensive players how well they're going to do against elite competition. And I like that. Uh, I like the fact that, um, you know, you have your number one receiver going against, you know, a cornerback at Florida State and Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be a first-round draft pick eventually. I want to see how the new receivers can, can basically, 
uh, or Rashad Green can, can put up against that guy because um, that's where it really matters. It doesn't matter that, you know, Winston has um, basically an extra second to get the ball off because he can't be touched. That doesn't help me out any. But it did help me out watching those, those good matchups. Well, I look at it this way, and you, you tell me what you think. The coaches in, in practice, the first goes against the first. They do it all the time. The reason I like the second team going against the first because I'm going to see on that second team who really is going to fight when they're getting beat or, or whatever, who's going to make plays. You can find gems when you have a guy come in as second or third string, make big plays against your first team. I think the coaches know by now who's going to be the starters. I don't think it's really much of a question, but they're looking to see who that next guy is going to be. And Malzahn came out and said, look, we're going to have fun today. We're going to give the fans something. You know, we're not going to run our offense, but we're going to throw it around a little bit. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, I, I liked it because it, you, you risk less injury when you do it this way to your starters. Oh, well, every team, no matter who they are, um, like, for instance, Florida State did not run the ball hardly at all, just enough to basically um, show that we had a running game. But, I mean, your quarterbacks, you know, Winston and, and McGuire, I'm not gonna, we're throwing the ball 40, 40 times. Uh, and, you know, that's not going to be a normal college football game uh, because, you know, it's easier to be out of the shotgun and keep your players safe. Uh, so you're going to do that no matter what. But, um, you know, I mean, I, the, the spring game is for the fans, and I think that's that's absolutely true. But, but the people coming out now saying that Auburn's better than Alabama now because of the spring game, you can't really say that. I mean, you, you no. cannot say that right now. One thing I can tell you is is right now Auburn feels they look better at the quarterback position. They look better in the offensive line. That's it. I mean, but, but you don't know when Coker comes in what kind of dynamic he's going to have. He could be better than Marshall. You don't know yet. We don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait till it starts. But you can't make a preseason prediction in April. Of, of who's better than who right now, especially when you're talking about Alabama. I mean, they've been loaded for years and years and years. And it, it's just hard for me to sit here and act like they're going to finish below Ole Miss now because because they don't have a quarterback. The Trey Clemson's under some fire right now with Dabo Sweeney, his religious beliefs, some radical group, some atheist group comes out and actually giving them a hard time because he encourages Christianity. I mean, give us your thoughts about this from a legal standpoint. Well, I mean, the group's not necessarily radical, I will say. I mean, they're I mean, they're um, not necessarily non-radical, I would say, but I wouldn't describe them as radical. Uh, but here's the thing and what it boils down to, and I, I don't know the facts, uh, but you can't have a public institution basically adopt a religion. Um, that's you know, you can have a lot of things. And oddly enough, I actually teach the religion course in the Air Force, um, how the military, and not only the military, but the federal government handles the separation of church and state. Um, so I, I know the rules pretty well. Obviously, I don't know the state of Clemson and whether they have, uh, the state of South Carolina, whether they have, um, you know, particular rules. But, I mean, this foundation... Um, you know, I don't make much of it yet until I see the facts, I guess. I don't think there's necessarily an obvious violation of anything because these rules do allow for, you know, um, some types of prayer. Now, it can't be usually, in the, say, in the federal government, it can't be any kind of standard meeting. So if the government meets 
every week on a Friday, then you can't have a religious ceremony with it. Um, and that's because, obviously, the separation. Um, but you can have voluntarily things um, that you um, you have. Uh, so that's that's really what it will boil down to is whether the university is, is sort of having a, um, if you will, a sort of almost mandatory function based on a particular faith or whether, um, you know, the, Clem the Clemson saying is not mandatory, it's voluntary, really, and it's not really run by the institution, it's run by, you know, players or whatever it is. Well, I, th I mean, people make it think like, seem like Dabo Sweeney doesn't recruit people that aren't Christians, and you know, and that's that's not true. Dabo just wants you to be a good student, make good grades, be a great athlete, and 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 be ethical. And that's why he stated he's had players that have not believed in God and everything, but he encourages people if they want to 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 do that. I think he the prayer meetings and and going to church. I mean, every campus does this, Trey. This is not just Clemson. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Some of the things I've read uh, with Clemson are things that I would personally recommend against just because of if it was the federal government, for instance, because I know it would cross the line. Some of it wouldn't at all. Like having a team chaplain doesn't at all uh, worry me at all. I go, so what? Okay, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't interest me. Uh, now, if Davo Sweeney is sort of, as you get on campus, saying here's your Bible and your playbook, Ah, uh, that, that's probably over the line. And, and again, I don't know South Carolina law on this, but with the federal law, that would be that'd be a little step too far. Uh, but that's not the evidence I've seen either. I, I mean, I, the group claims that he distributed Bibles and organizational materials uh, of the, that were devotional in nature, uh, but they don't say how he distributed them, and that's kind of important, right? <laughs> I mean, if it's a mandatory item that you pick up with your playbook, that might be an issue. If it's just distributed because he has them, if you want them, different story. So, you know, you can make uh, a claim and make it sound bad, but we don't know the actual facts behind it to really get worked up about. So right now, I am not worked up about this at all um, until I see more, more out there, I guess. And maybe we'll see it. Maybe well, we well, I just want to say kudos to Dabo Sweeney uh, for for being true to who he is and trying to help these young men develop and grow into something good and and for this little foundation out there you, you stick it where the sun don't shine I'm, I'm tired of of hearing about people like this it's none of your business what he does now if the players have a problem with it then they can take it up and then we'll listen to it but these people that just they make money of trying to to be atheist and, and go against people i'm sick of it trey i don't care what anybody thinks Dabo Sweeney's doing the right thing here. If he wants to do that, then, then he can do it. And I understand what you're saying, too. You can't force it down their throat, but if the kids are there, they want to they wanna develop into better Christians and do things, I see no problem in that. That happens in Auburn. That happens in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, everywhere. I mean, there's, I mean, I understand if you put a playbook out there, Trey, and say, here's the Bible with it. You better read the whole book of Genesis or you're not going to start next week you know, or, or something like that. But Dabo's just trying to develop these kids, man. I wish a lot more coaches would stand up and do this. Well, and here's the interesting point, and this is the part that I, that I that, you know, we are in the Bible Belt in the South and that kind of stuff. But here's the interesting point, and, I, and I've heard this, and I've actually heard some interesting comments on it. Take Dabo Sweeney and take his faith to something different. Take it to Buddhism or, 
you know, uh, Muslim or Jewish or whatever. And do people start having a problem with it then? And it was kind of yep. odd to see people change their opinion on it. And people said, well, yeah, I'd have a problem with that. And I was like, well, that's that's not right. Like, either you have a problem with, you know, Davos Sweeney and, and, and instituting whatever religion he is, uh, no, or you don't. Right. And it shouldn't matter. Trey, America was founded, America was founded off Christianity. It wasn't Muslims. Muslims, have, you know, people have moved in here. They can practice their religion or do whatever. That's fine, but this is a lot different in my opinion. Well, I mean, America was established based on the persecution of religion, and it was because they were different religions than those of other people. Um, and so I don't think it should matter, I guess, is my point. And if it does, then that's exactly what the Constitution was meant to sort of prohibit. Yep, I mean, you're right. I mean, I look at that, but if, you know, if if, if Auburn right now hired a coach that was a Muslim and wanted you to bow to Allah, there should be a problem with that, you know. I mean, it, you shouldn't force anything on anyone, but I don't think Davo's forcing it. That That's what I'm trying to say. But if he wants to encourage these guys, he's a Christian. Some of his players are. They want to go to Bible study. They want to go to church, and he encourages that. Who's, I mean, what, what business is of this foundation? That's what I'm trying to get at. Well, I think also it's an interesting point, too, if there had been a player sort of um, come forward and be bothered by it. You're right, that's a totally different scenario. Um, and that would matter a lot more to me as well than an outsider to a program coming in um, and, you know, and saying something as well. So I'm interested to see if there's some sort of whistleblower student who had a problem with it. Um, who doesn't want to be named at this point or whatever. I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't even have that as well, which, which all this that kind of stuff matters. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I just think this country today, man, it's, it's not the same place I, I lived in 20 years ago. I mean, it's, it's changing to be politically correct about everything. You can't say anything. I mean, this is, this is not the world that I envisioned, Trey, when I was younger growing up in. Um, okay. I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't sure what, what, to, what to comment on that one, but I, I don't know. I mean, I've lived a lot of places in the country, so I, I guess I have a little bit different perspective of everything, but um, I think people get, um, you know, um, a little uptight about things without knowing all the facts from both sides. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, I don't know if you know, but the Pledge of Allegiance, they're talking about taking God out of it because it offends atheists. Have you heard that? Yeah, I have, and I know the history behind why it was put in as well. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a, I mean, these kind of things, um, you know, it's easy to get fired up about unless you know the history behind it, um, why it was even put in in the first place and when it was put in. Uh, it wasn't always that way, and I don't have a problem with it being in there. And I think personally that, you know, I, I have better things to do with my time than worry about that kind of stuff, I guess. Um, you know, I, I actually I actually salute the flag, you know, for other reasons. I don't have to, pl- you know, I don't, I don't have to pledge my allegiance. I, uh, I swear an oath to other things, the Constitution. So um, I think people get spun up about things like that and why they're worried about, you know, that word being in there. I think they're probably the same people who get really upset about, you know, the, the new McDonald's ketchup packets, too. And, and and it's kind of like the Redskin name. Who cares, really? I mean, if that's what they want to call it, that's what they've done for years, <laughs> who cares? All I'm saying is stay out of it, people. I mean, quit getting offended by everything. 
That's all I want to tell people. Quit getting offended by everything that doesn't matter, like Trey said. The thing, look at it the way you want to, but just just quit being so sensitive. This is a sports show, not a religious show. So, but we are talking about Clemson, what's going on right now, and instead on Clemson, one last thing: what is it going to take for Dabo to be able to beat Steve Spurrier, his in-state rival, Trey? I think until he does. And wins a big game, beating South Carolina in it. He's not going to get the respect that he deserves, I think. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, his religion aside, the real, um, the real, real thing that he has to worry about is, is, is beating Steve Spurrier. And I will say, Tarzan, and I think you threw it out there because you know it bothers me, but uh, his Redskins name is totally different <laughs> uh, than a lot of this conversation is. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, given sort of focusing back on the sports show, here's the thing: Dabo Sweeney uh, is kind of at a pinnacle point for his his coaching career uh, because he has really done well against Florida State or South Carolina, and I think he needs to have some success very soon. Uh, and so it doesn't matter how many times he wins ten games if two of those losses every year are to Florida State and South Carolina. At some point the fans are going to say, why can't we get over that, that hill? Why can't we finish this off? Yeah, but I did throw that out there just for you, Trey, to see what you I know you did. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> well, let's, real quick, the NFL schedule just came out. And, you know, the NFL is so – I mean, they're so smart the way they make these schedules. Any kind of off-season drama, trades, uh, free agency, anything. They make sure those teams play each other. And I'm interested in the first game, Trey, Thursday, September 4th, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers travel up to, to the to the divorced Russell Wilson in Seattle now. Russell Wilson filed for divorce. That's going to be an interesting game in Seattle. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, Green Bay, I mean, hopefully has that game marked now immediately uh, as some payback for the fail Mary uh, that we all had to experience. So um, that's obviously the shot that Green Bay has to sort of claim uh, some legitimacy and, and sort of knock Seattle off their throne. So hold on, Trey. We have a caller. Uh, Jonathan Miklos is in the house. What's up, Jonathan? Welcome to the show. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, just uh, just on lunch from, uh, from work right now. Figured I'd check you guys out. When I heard NFL schedule, I said, please let me on. <laughs> well, you're on, you're welcome. man. Congratulations. Oh, I feel I feel accepted. Um, I want to thank everybody for this nomination. No, I'm kidding. Um, but the NFL schedule, no, you guys are right. That opening day, that opening game, absolutely fantastic. I mean, you got to love the NFL. Lingo win the schedule. Uh, Green Bay, Seattle, can you get any better than an opening night game than that? Yeah, nope. You can't, Jonathan. I mean, it's just Russell Wilson. How much is this divorce going to affect him? Will Seattle struggle now that Russell Wilson won't be have the ball and chain with him? <laughs> Something uh, tells me he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they, they might even be better. Yeah, but, I mean, the NFL, I mean, the marketing, I mean, the way they do it, I mean, this is an event tonight. They have a big special on the NFL or ESPN about this schedule. You know, I look at it, Carolina's schedule doesn't look that bad. Trey, I don't know how much you've got to look at it. Or, Jonathan, I'll start with you since Trey hasn't looked at it. Have you been able to look at the schedule? 
I haven't taken a full glimpse yet. Um, unfortunately, uh, I you know I've re- I there there is just some things I really wanted. I was intrigued in uh, and getting to see how it would play out. Like when Tampa goes to Chicago, you know I Lovey Smith going home. Uh, you know I, we were all kind of hoping that'd be a prime time game in the Tampa Bay area. What were our hopes dashed? Yeah. And and you know Steve Smith went up to yeah, Baltimore, Trey. Uh, Steve Smith went up to Baltimore, Trey, and now Carolina is going to Baltimore on the game. But I'm I'm intrigued by the San Francisco at Dallas game, Trey, the first game. Ooh. I think that could be interesting. Well, that not only that, Carmen, but you know the what we're calling now the Peyton Bowl, I guess, because everything has to be Peyton Manning based. Uh, but they travel. Uh, they face. Uh, Indianapolis Colts on the first Sunday night game of the year. So Broncos Colts uh, with the first prime time Sunday night game. Wow, that's going to be a good one, Jonathan. I know. I know Denver goes to Seattle. What is it, week four? Mm-hmm. That that's going to be a blowout. Super Bowl. And that's that's going to be a blowout, Trey. Trey, that's going to be a blowout <laughs> yeah. probably. Denver's going to beat them by sixty. No. No, not in Seattle. They won't. Well, Tarvin, let me ask you this: of all, all the schedule, I'll tell you. This is what I'm actually disappointed at. You know, they do two Monday Night Football games the first week, and we have the Giants at the Lions and the Chargers at the Cardinals. Th- those aren't games on Monday night. Um, That's terrible. Why not have the 49ers at the Cowboys on Monday night, or even the? I mean, heck, Tarvin, I could have got behind. You know. Um, even like a Bengals with the Ravens, which is also week one. Um, and, heck, that would have been a great game to watch. Um, but, come on, the, the Giants at the Lions? Mm. Yeah, that's that's not – I mean, the first Monday night game, do you really want to see that? I would rather see Green Bay at Seattle on Monday and Thursday night put on somebody like New Orleans and Atlanta. Make Monday night football the best game possible that you can do, Indianapolis, Denver, somebody like that. I mean, tell me something besides Detroit and the Giants. I mean, Jonathan, are you seeing any intrigue in that game or Arizona, San Diego, really? Those are the two boringest games you could probably watch out of that entire schedule. Is Jonathan still there or is he gone? Jonathan's still here. Um, Yeah, sorry about that. I was... I was contemplating, I was doing some deep thinking, and you know how it is when you guys give me deep thinking, the smoke starts coming out. Um, you're right. I mean, the Monday night games, you just kind of look at, and I'm kind of shaking my head right now. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's Trey's right. I mean, you, you pick those games. And let's look at let's look at Monday night football real quick, like just a couple of games real quick. Week two, our Monday night game is going to be Philadelphia at Indianapolis. Trey, that doesn't give me goosebumps. Well, I'm more intrigued with that one because, I mean, you got two offenses that could really put it out. I mean, that, that could be a 40-35 to 35 mm-hmm. game. So mm-hmm. I liked that one, Tarvin. Um, you know, the next Monday night game is the Bears at the Jets. <laughs> uh, nobody cares. Like, really, I mean, I get it, Michael Vick's there, and maybe, you know, you know Chris Johnson, maybe the Jets are different. But I, I, that game doesn't shock me as uh, – um, being something I want to stay up and watch right now. Um, and then the Patriots of the Chiefs next the week four, Tarvin, I like that one, though. You like the New England Patriots at Kansas City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. 
Yeah, that's not too bad. Week five, if you love week four, you're going to love week five. We got uh, Seattle <laughs> at Washington. Well, here's the thing. Well, the only the only Redskins game I want to see on Monday Night Football this year is when the yeah the Redskins and the Eagles play because I want to see if Deshaun Jackson um, goes out of his mind when playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, how how do they do the schedules, guys? I mean, I'll start with you, Jonathan. Is it if you're the better team, do you get a tougher schedule the next year? If you won the Super Bowl. Is your schedule supposed to be tougher, or is it supposed to get easier? Well, it's supposed to be tougher. I mean, the way the scheduling goes is they have a rotation of the ASC divisions you're going to play, and then you play your end-division opponents, so that's 10 games. You pick another division within the NFC, let's say with the Seahawks, that would be another four, and then you actually pick the division winner of the other two divisions, or if you're – they, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, you get to play the last place guy in the other two. It's, it's, it's interesting, and I think that's why you see every year there's a team who finished top five, uh, well, bottom five technically, in the standings. They're going to win ten games. The Bucks did it one year with a ridiculously easy schedule. The Chiefs did it last year. Every year it happens. That's why, you know, I keep telling everybody, expect, you know, a team like Atlanta or a, most likely it's going to be Houston. They're going to have a huge bounce back here. Everybody goes, oh, well, they're back. And you go, well... That schedule kind of helped them out when you get to play Cleveland and, you know, Oakland uh, instead of having to play Denver and uh, uh, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good. And see, Trey, what I want you to do, we'll we'll, we'll do our homework and, and, you know, the next show or two we'll start talking about this schedule, looking at some of the teams, looking at their records, not projecting everything, but looking at some possible sleeper teams that could that could pop up benefiting from an easy schedule. And, Jonathan, while you're here, before we go, I do want your opinion. What do you think right now about Dabo Sweeney and those issues, religious issues in Clemson? Okay, this is getting out of hand. That's just ridiculous. This is getting out of hand. I mean, the fact that somebody had the audacity to make that phone call it, 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 it kind of, it really annoys me. I mean, let him do what he's going to do. Or if the players aren't complaining, then there's no need for this to happen. Um, there, Dabo hasn't given me a reason not to like him, and hey, you know, the way we, we kind of manhandled him last year, I love him even more. But uh, just let Dabo do what his team wants him to do. That's all I ask. I don't know why everybody needs to step in and, and, and stop everything. My thoughts exactly, and Trey's thoughts too, were the players. What are the are the players complaining? Is he forcing this on people? You know, I mean, my, my guess is Dabo Sweeney's probably real high on on the the player fitting into Clemson. What his team? He's not going to go out and put a bunch of renegades together or something that don't get along. I'm sure a lot of people have the same beliefs. In things in common together. That's what makes a locker room sometimes. So if Dabo wants to have Bible studies, I'm with you, or prayer meetings, he can do what he wants mm-hmm. to do. But when he starts violating someone's rights, that's why the Constitution's in there um, mm-hmm. to help protect that. I understand that. I'm, 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 I'm totally with that. So just wanted your thoughts on that. And, and also, Bama's new quarterback, the one Coker from Florida State, how do you think he's going to do his first year? Um... You know, I really like Jacob, and I thought he, he did pretty well for us last year uh, in obviously limited time due to the ACL injury. Uh, you know, 
the way Sins played in the spring game was not good, and there's no way he locked up that position battle. So I, I honestly, guys, to, to be – and not trying to sound like a floor state homer, but I think, honestly, this is Coker's job to lose at this point, and I think that he might be the most athletically gifted quarterback Bama's had in a while – uh, because he is a dual threat, whether some people want to believe it or not. I think he could do wonders for this offense as long as, uh, um, God, who's their offense coordinator now? Uh, ooh, geez, you know, I really don't want to say it. I know different. his name. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you jumped up. You jumped on that sword. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as he builds the offense to him perfectly. I mean, you can't expect him to just sit in the pocket all day, let him move around a little, let him have some read options. I mean, he's a, I think he's a more gifted runner uh, as an athlete than uh, McCarron or McElroy, and that's where this offense could open up a little more, especially with Derrick Henry and T.J. Yeldon uh, coming back. Yeah, well, Jonathan, hold on. We're going to take another call from the 334 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hi, this is uh, Auburn Tiger Bloggin. How are you this evening? Good. How are you, sir? Great, great. I'd like to weigh in a little bit on the Dabo Sweeney issue for sure. I can't believe that uh, uh, in a country that supposedly is built on freedom, you know, freedom of the press, individual freedoms, that that a uh, organization uh, could attack a college or a coach uh, because of his religious views, uh, when basically everybody in the world knows athletes are more prone to be religious than, you know, say business people or whatever. It just, it, you can, you see it all the time in, in sports, you know, prayer before or after. And it, it's just amazing to me that, uh, that they get away with that. Oh, so, so you're, so you're, uh, so you're against what Dabo's doing at Clemson, you're saying? No, 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 no. A hundred percent for Dabo. I, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. A hundred percent. That's okay. I'm 100% against uh, an organization such as that group of atheists uh, oh, yeah. trying to take down the coach or a university because of that when, you know, I would think uh, based on what I've seen uh, that athletes and sports are more prone to the religious side of life than than maybe other aspects. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, look at, I look at Clemson. And, and, you know, in the off season usually, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see a lot of, I don't, I don't see a lot of arrests, robberies, murders, rapes, and things like that going on at Clemson. Maybe it's, it's his way of keeping people out of trouble. I don't know, but Dabo's done a great job at Clemson. I'm not, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about on the field and everything, and it just seems like his guys aren't in trouble a lot. Do you agree with that? He he's done a fantastic job at Clemson. I'm I'm probably one of the few Auburn fans that would say that Dabo Swinney has done an, a very good or an awesome job at Clemson. Uh, like you said, you don't hear of the trouble from his athletes. Occasionally, at every school, you're going to have some of that, but you just don't hear about that at Clemson, and that. That goes a long way in showing the discipline that that program has and the way that they have of reaching those young men on their level to keep them on the right path. That's exactly what you said it perfect, the path. What what path does the, 
the kid want to go. I mean, you know, and, and Dabo, I think, recruits kids that believe the same thing in a way. I'm not talking about religion, but kind of get along and do the same thing. I don't, I don't believe Dabo's forcing it down their throat until I hear something different. Um, I'm not going to believe that. But if a player's come out and say Dabo's trying to make me do this, he's trying to make me do that, then there could be an issue. But I don't know why people want to stick their nose into this stuff. That's exactly my point. Yeah, that was exactly my point. Why in the world would this organization be attacking Clemson or Dabo Swinney unless it is simply because they wish to get recognition themselves and the only way they can is by attacking something that has has basically stayed out of the headlines. Why are they not attacking other schools like Alabama, Auburn, uh, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas? I mean, why why Clemson? Uh, uh, That's a good question. You know, Mark Richt is, is known throughout the entire Southeastern Conference as a very religious man. Uh, when Gene Chizik was at Auburn, he was a very religious man. Tommy Tuberville, religion was so strong at Auburn that he it actually uh, caused some problems between the administration and the football coaches because they would pray before every meeting and stuff. And the, just the coaches, even with the administration. So, you know, it, there's a lot of that in sports. And why they're going after Clemson, I don't know. You know, if Florida State or Miami, with all the trouble they had, if they were doing that and and still had all of this trouble, then maybe somebody should look at, you know, what is really going on down there as opposed to Clemson as to there is no trouble, as you mentioned. What are you doing? Unless you're trying to, you know, shine a spotlight on yourself by attacking a completely innocent program. And, and, you know, Mac Brown at Texas, a very outspoken religious person. Gene Chizik, you know what how he was in Tuberville like in 2004 with that team. I, I just I don't understand it either, but it just seems like today's world. I mean, everything has to, to go by the book, and, and maybe it should. I, I don't know, but Trey made some great points. Trey's our lawyer on the show. He's the co-host. He, he talked about it from a legal aspect really made some great points on all of that but you follow you do some blogging for Auburn what do you think about the Tigers this year before we go oh I think uh I think the media might be a little too hyped uh, Auburn has a very tough schedule they they will have a very explosive offense but that defense still has some questions uh, mm-hmm. they definitely got better towards the end of the year I'm not taking that away from them but in all honesty the defense uh, in an extreme pressure situation, uh, the last drive of the BCS championship game, a prime example, we had two defensive backs miss a tackle on a wide receiver screen, and, and the big play that set up the touchdown pass was that wide receiver screen that broke for 40-some yards or whatever it was. That was the killer, the same thing that has plagued Auburn's defensive backs since before Gene Chizik got there, and that's where they're diving at feet with shoulders mm-hmm. instead of wrapping up. The defense is going to have to prove to me that they're actually improved for me to to hook, line, and sink or swallow all of this, that that Auburn will be unbeatable next year. Uh, the offense will I, be there, I, I, but it I was agree. last year. Hey, tell me when Trey Mason scored that touchdown at the end of the game, my, my first thought was, 
oh my God, we scored too fast. What were your What was your thought? Well, you know, somebody else said that that was right beside me. Uh, fortunately, I was in the stadium, and and once we got through with the euphoria, and we realized it's the exact same time that Johnny Manziel had left with Texas A&M, a minute and nineteen seconds, and and we all thought, oh no, can we do this twice? You know, is Jameis Winston that much better? And it ended up that it wasn't necessarily Winston that was better, but his receivers, uh, he had more than one receiver, and I think that was Texas A&M's maybe a little bit of a downfall uh, where Mike Evans, was that his name, was, was Mandel's yes. target? Yeah. Uh, yes. Winston mm-hmm. Winston had three, you know, and that, that, that proved to be an Achilles heel to Auburn's defense on that last drive of pressure situations. And, and uh, like I said, that that's the part of, of Auburn's football that's going to have to prove to me that they're better. Yeah, and hey, I'm, I'm ready for Florida State to join the SEC, man. And pe- people make fun of me when I said that. It took an SEC team to beat an SEC team. Florida State's every bit of an SEC team, man. When you look at that roster, when you look at everything they have, the coach, their whole coaching staff, Florida State was a very, very explosive team. And yes, sir. And and then, yes, sir. I mean, people think they weren't as good. And I've heard people say Alabama would have beaten Florida State and everything. They were overrated. But Florida State was a very good football team, and they they built for years. Jimbo has the same principles the SEC uses. You wouldn't see Ohio yep. State. I don't think other teams come in and do that. But Trey and Jonathan on the phone here with you. They're big Florida State fans and everything, so we had some fun with that game. I didn't have so much fun with it, but they did. Yeah, well, uh, I, it was, I had a lot of fun. The entire trip was a blast, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was my first Auburn Bowl game, so that that was that was euphoria for me. But uh, everything except the last minute and a half of the game was awesome. I mean, they really both teams fought hard. They did really good. Uh, I thought Gus got a little conservative in the third and early part of the fourth quarter and kind of kind of didn't let Auburn offense go full bore. I don't know if he was trying to prevent the turnover or what, but um, it was obvious he was going on first down to Trey Mason like five drives in a row, and everybody knew what first down play was going to be. I could have tackled him from the upper deck where I was, you know. So <laughs> it just – that to me, uh, and I really believe Gus – on another note, is a little bit uh, uh, regretful of the way he played, yep. called the game the second half. But anyway, uh, Florida State deserved to win. Not going to take anything away from them. But back when South Carolina and Arkansas joined the league, I said then that Florida State should be tabbed to join the Southeastern Conference. Uh, and I'm not sure if they were a member of the ACC yet or not. And, and I don't know if they were ever offered and turned it down, or I don't know all of the details. But I said then, Florida State has the type of program that would fit well in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, some say the University of Florida fought that, and that's possible. They uh, did. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, I really I agree with you. Florida State has an SEC-caliber team. It's a pretty, pretty neat little triangle there between – Tuscaloosa, Auburn, and and, and uh, Tallahassee there where uh, some really good football has been played the last five, six years. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thanks for calling and tell people about the show and call back in anytime. We love having you. 
certainly will, and I appreciate you letting me speak. Right, you're welcome, man. I, all right, thank you. And and Trey, he was right. Gus Malzahn is killing himself over over the way he called that game, not taking anything away from Florida State. They won the championship. But would you agree, Trey, that Florida State is an SEC team? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at what other school. Um, I mean, you talk about Florida State's won three titles um, in my lifetime. And, you know, I'm, you know, um, you know, not a lot of schools can say that. You know, there's not a lot of schools who can say that, you know, other than Alabama, who can say, hey, I've seen three titles, uh, and I have. I've seen them all three of them. Uh, so, I mean, that, that to me reeks of SEC type of uh, attitude, and that reeks to me of SEC style play. Yeah, and then possibly you could see one ripped away from you. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I was worried about with Auburn in 2010. I was there for that game, and I thought, oh, God, if Cam Newton did something wrong and they find out, they're taking this away. But but they did. Well, well guys, I, yeah, I was thinking about the uh, the Oklahoma game. but Oh, um, man. That hurt. Uh, oh, man. man, that was a terrible game, wasn't it? Yeah, I was thinking the one we lost, Oklahoma, 13-2, to when we lost both our starting quarterback and our backup quarterback and went to the title game with a third stringer. Yeah, but no, that was but if you look at domination, if you look at domination in football from when I was a kid watching Charlie Ward just tear up people in Florida State, Florida State could easily be the most dominating football program in our lifetime. I mean, I mean, from when we were growing up and everything, Florida State's always been good. They went through that little patch where they they struggled a little bit, but you're talking about talent. Every year, Florida State had the talent. I mean, they they recruited well, and you look at their coaching staff. It's all SEC, man. Pedigree, and I know a lot of people get angry when you say that. All the SEC haters, but Florida State is an SEC school. So when we lost that game, it sucked. I wanted to win, but it's not like we lost to Ohio State or Oklahoma or uh, Oklahoma State or somebody like that. We lost to Florida State, and they're a very very well respected football team. They have my respect. They always have. So I just wanted to throw that out there. It's not like we lost to, to Ohio State. That would be the biggest slap in the face, wouldn't it, John? That'd be so embarrassing. <laughs> it would be. You know, you lost to Florida State by three points or something. It's probably one of the best championship games out there. I can I can deal with that. But I want to thank everyone tonight for calling in, joining the show. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, we have a big Alabama fan in the chat room, Trey. He's, he's provided some great entertainment. I want to thank him for joining us. Auburn Tiger blogging, thanks for joining us. Tell everybody about the show out there. Uh, tell them to join the chat room. We'll we'll get it going. Football season's very intense on this show, and we're going to make it even more intense oh, if that's even possible. But Trey and I, we, we, we usually don't see eye to eye, so that's what makes it fun. So. I always throw some jabs at Trey, and he throws them back. So he's not afraid to throw some jabs, are you, Trey? Uh, Tarvin, uh, I, I think not. Uh, I will give you uh, all, all <laughs> the ask for and then more. Uh, and there's always the fact that uh, I know where you live, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I will come find you. I'm, I'm shaking well, in my boots. I'm shaking in my boots. Trey, if you, if you wake up tonight and you hear this sound, just know it, it was me outside your window. 
<laughs> uh, I'll notice the uh, breathing at my window and, and, and deal with it appropriately. Then you're here. <laughs> well, all right, guys, it's been fun. We'll see you Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. we got a lot to talk about. But, guys, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you then. All right, guys, good night. See you guys. Good night.